All right, how many of you have ever been to Hawaii? How many of you have ever been to Europe? I've neither been to Hawaii, and I've neither been to Europe, though my wife has been there, my two daughters have been there. Can anybody tell me why I've never been there? No, man, I got my wife Slovenian. Their national anthem is to the bank, to the bank, to the bank, bank, bank. Oh, no, I got money. Have you ever tried to sit in one of those coach seats and try to be there for 13, 14 hours? If, if I can, I never get on an airplane to go anywhere without, if there's a layover. I'll pay the extra money, get on, get off, up one time, down one time. It has something to do with me, and my wife gets sick pretty quickly. We were on a plane one time, and my wife was getting sick. We were all the way in the back, and all the stewards, the stewards were sitting down. That's how bad it was. And, and so they're sitting there. We're in the last row. Maria's getting ready to boof. And, and, and the lady that is sitting behind us grabs a, a barf bag. She just takes it and reaches around, gives it to Maria. And Maria's trying to open it. Somebody had put their gum in there. <laughs> the next thing that came around the corner was a big black 55-gallon bag. She stuck her head in there and said, Hello. <laughs> the reason that I have never been... Uh, now... It is my goal. I just cannot sit that long. And one of the reasons I'm up here is because I, 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 I don't sit that long. You know, I, I, I walk and I talk. And one of the things I, I want to say is, is I have a dream of one day somebody saying, you know, you've been upgraded from coach to first class on an airplane. Right? Here's one of the graphics. If you give it for me, Todd, one of the graphics. That, there you go. Would that not be awesome? Evan's been upgraded. You know, come on back here. You know, you've been selected and chosen. Any pastor on the plane, you get upgraded to first class. Now, folks, it is literally so boring. I love this next graphic we have here. I mean, the possibility of being able to sleep. Haven't you ever been in coach and somebody next to you starts snoring? Somebody starts, and all of a sudden they're like putting their head on you and they're drooling? That's my wife. I, she, I wouldn't say that. I have the message this morning titled First Class because sometimes you think, oh, it's uppity and this, that, the other, but that's not what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you today about first class being the way that God would want us to live. Take a look at your notes. Right at the top, I have the just two words, done right. Pull out your notes that are in your program, pull out your smartphone, follow along that way, in whichever way you want. I want to talk to you today not about some snotty, rich, arrogant way of life, when I say first class. I want to talk to you about a way of life that can be accomplished whether you're rich or poor, and however you define that is up to you. Something that can be done by everybody in this room today. First class means doing it right. A high level of Christian service, a high level of dedication to God as if God were to write down and say, this is the way I want you to live just as he has expressed in his word. And though we'll talk about that a little bit today, we'll go to one passage of scripture, Matthew, the sixth chapter, pull out your smartphone, pull out your Bible, Matthew, the sixth chapter, we're going to start at what, verse 19. As I prayed starting this past fall, as I do every fall, I ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want to do in the life of the people at Lifeline Church and Lifehouse Church? Gave me a passage of scripture that he has renewed in me several times since September. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I have in your notes here, 2019, not done right, but done righteous. 
righteous in perspective of how God wants us to live. Five questions as we look at this passage of Scripture. Look at verse 19. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin, for some of you might have the word rust there, do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. First question as I prompted and as I sat and I tried to hear from the Lord was, hey, Evan, where's your storage unit? Where's your storage unit? Everybody's storing something up somewhere. And I guess it's okay to store them up heaven and on earth, but what is the most important and where is your... I mean, you guys have probably watched some of the storage wars units uh, on TV, right? The guy goes to a storage unit, they all bid on it, they open it up and get somebody's stuff. Who either what happened to them, I don't know. They thought maybe they were storing it and they were going to have it, but it went to somebody else. And that's exactly what happens. Did any of you uh, watch... uh, There's a, a program called A Football Life. They did one on Emmett Smith. You got a graphic up here of Emmett for me? Emmett Smith, you know, played for Dallas, ended his career, uh, I believe, with uh, the Falcons. And, and he was a, he, uh, he is, I, if I if still correct, I'm pretty sure he's still the uh, rushing leader in the NFL. When they opened this up, they literally had Emmett Smith with a key opening a lock on his storage unit lifting the storage unit up and seeing all the boxes. And he went through. This box is when it has the ball in here to when I broke the record. This one over here is the uniform I wear when I was in college. He had all of these boxes and all of this stuff. And as he closed out, he said these words. I wrote it down. He said, memories, memories, memories. They'll never fade away. Was he talking about all of the stuff in his storage unit? Will it all be his? Will he take any of it to heaven? I ask myself the question, I ask you, where's your storage unit? Where are you storing up for? Jesus cautions us that, hey, a storage unit could be something as small as a purse or a wallet. It could be something as as big as a a house or my garage or what I have in my garage or my retirement plan or my IRA can be any of that stuff. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. I'm just saying, what is it that you're trusting in? I have a friend who in uh, 2008 had a lot of money in the stock market. And I can see his face, and I can hear his voice saying to me, Evan, this is 2009, 2009, I forget what it was, he says, I was a millionaire. I was a millionaire before it did all of that. Question is, is what did he do after that? Was that so much so that everything else about his life, I would tell you today, he's serving Jesus today. He's serving Jesus today. Where's your storage unit? There's a storage unit that nothing can touch. It's when you share your gifts and your talents and, and, and your finances and everything about It's when you discover who you are. Now, some of you know this. In, in two weeks, we're going to have a ministry fair. And that ministry fair is for you to get an opportunity to find, how can I serve we're doing a Lifehouse Lifeline. Somebody made this suggestion, and Nancy, I think that we're going to do it. We're going to have a clipboard back there. Maybe none of the ministries that we have are something you've ever done or you've done something different. Find that clipboard. We'll make it a certain color, uh, Nancy, and say, you know, I've done this for the Lord in his kingdom. Maybe the Lord brought you here to help us do something we're not doing. We're okay with that. Because this is how you store up your your gifts and your talents and everything that can't be touched by a thief. Are you serving in your heart's content? 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's, it's first class to live on this earth and pack your heavenly store, storage full of good works done for the kingdom. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Three times he uses the word darkness. Number two in your notes, just a really maybe a simple, silly phrase coming out of Christmas. Jesus says, Evan, do you see what I see? When you're at your, your eyes, do you see what I see? You see the picture here is, is that what comes in my eye gate totally lightens up and reflects everything else about me. My heart, my mind, how I see things. Do you have a biblical worldview? Are you, are you viewing everything through what's going on in your earthly storage unit or going into your, your earthly storage unit? Do I derive more comfort from being financially secure than from the security I've laid up for me in heaven? Now, folks, I am not against financial security. As a matter of fact, I know many, many Christians, and since I became a Christian, I have so appreciated the effort to live your life debt-free. You know, and some of you are there, and I appreciate that. Dave Ramsey, I appreciate that. And my wife and I, is, we're, we're debt-free. We live debt-free because of principles that were taught. But, folks... When I had three children and worked in a factory and worked 50, 55 hours a week, I heard this message when I first gave my life to Christ about tithing. And let me take that back. I heard about tithing. I never heard a message on it, and I began to tithe because God comes first in everything. And Pastor Dale, I I never heard a message preached by you on it, but I heard you mention it. And I heard other people talking about it, and I told my wife, well, Christians tithe, and we've done it ever since. God's first. I'm not against being debt-free and financially secure and all that, but the question is, is where's my heart at? Where's my heart at? You see, God has an eye chart, just like your doctor has an eye chart. This passage of Scripture says God has an eye chart. You go to an eye doctor, and you look at it, and you look in his eye, and you say, well, he, he's got 20-20. He's got 20. He needs this. He needs that. God's got an eye chart, and every time you open a scripture, yeah, today, yeah, every time you open a scripture, he's examining how my eyes see the world. Maybe you need a little bit of glasses, spiritual glasses, a little bit of an adjustment today. This passage of scripture says to me, it talks about light, right? I really get concerned sometimes that Christians who have had the light who have been saved, who walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, have gotten to the place where all of a sudden with their eyes they see everything and it's darkness. It's not light. They've slipped back a little bit. And the passage of Scripture and the song that we'll sing when we close today is, Restore My Soul, and sometimes maybe that's me and maybe that's you today. He says, do you see what I see? When our eyes see what God sees, our eyes, they're first class. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says these words. You know, when Jesus says you cannot, you, you, I, I really need to pay attention. You cannot serve both God and money. Doesn't mean you can't use it, can't be there, it's a tool, right? Number three in your notes, he basically says, are you with me or are you against me? Are you with me? Because it isn't like we can play both sides of the fence. You know what happens when you try to straddle both sides of the fence? That, that can... If you slip, that can, that can hurt. So I, I know very wealthy people, according, I guess, to the world or whatever it is, and I know poor people. They love money. 
more than they love Jesus. You hear, hear what I said? I know poor people, and I know wealthy people who love money, and I know the opposite of that. I know wealthy people and poor people who love Jesus above all. It doesn't matter the money. That's, that's how, how they live. And it's interesting how the Lord may bless them. I mean, this is not an amount issue. This is a heart issue. It challenges my heart. challenges your heart. You see, first class to Jesus Christ is someone who uses their money, understands money as a tool. But number one in his life, he is their master. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. See, here's Jesus. He's getting this sense as he's doing this teaching. He says, hey, you know what? Don't worry about what you're storing on earth. Really? Don't worry about that? And then he says, you know, are your eyes seeing the right things? Are, do you have eternal eyes? You're seeing the right things? He says, are you with me or against me? You can't serve God money? And it's almost like they're having this little... And so he comes to them. He senses that. I see, and he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. All of those things we're talking about, they're temporary. From the minute I was born, or the minute you were born, eternity was born in your heart. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. It really makes a whole lot of sense to make sure you're putting something away for eternity. He goes on and says, don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds. He goes right into an illustration, right? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet, this, word, this phrase is going to be used again, your heavenly Father. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And then Jesus asked three questions in a row. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, in our day and age, <laughs> that may not be as simple as you may think. In our day and age, you could get fined for killing a, a baby eagle bird or whatever, and yet a human life, uh, no issues. A human life in, in a womb, no issues. We've gotten to the place where we have raised and elevated every animal equality with human beings, and that's never the case. And Jesus here tells us the same thing. You look outside, he, he, he cares for the birds. He says, Evan, aren't you more valuable than they? I hope you know you are. Verse 27, can, and second question, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? You know what worry is, right? Worry is what you do. Concern is what I have. Thank you. All right, verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? Here comes the second illustration. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that now even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Then he says, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, you see, they are not eternal. Your life is. Flowers aren't eternal. Your life is. God cares about them. That's how he does in the fields. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Then he says these words. I underline this. For the pagans run after all these things. Here's it. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Number four in your notes. I read this, and as best I can say, Jesus asked me, Hey, Evan, are you living like a pagan? 
Are you living like a pagan? The word pagan here, I looked it up, it's foreign nations or Gentile nations who were not worshiping the one true God. Am I living like a pagan? Am I running around after all these things? And Jesus says, hey, Evan, make sure your storage unit, you're storing it up in the right place. He says, Evan, check your eyesight. Are you looking at things from a biblical perspective, the way that I see things, what's important and what isn't important compared to the rest of the world? Hey, Evan, are you with me or are you against me? Have you slipped into serving money? Have you slipped into making, putting me second? Because I won't be second. You're either all in or you're all out. I look here, and as he says, that's what the pagans do, and he says, your heavenly Father knows it, and I just think, it almost is like an insult, you know? I have friends who uh, have a, uh, a mechanic shop and they're excellent what they've done. They've been in business a long, long, long time. And I can just imagine talking with somebody who says, you know that mechanic shop over there and those people, you know, they don't even know how to put a set of spark plugs in a car, which would be like, what? Spark plugs? Those are one of the very first things you learn how to do. Why would somebody say these people are experts, they're good at what they do, yada, yada, and it would almost be an insult to say about them. They don't know how to put spark plugs in. And Jesus said, pagans run after these things. It's not what I want my kids to look like. It's what I want my kids to be doing. Pagans run after these things. And here it is. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. Let's not insult him. By thinking, you know, well, I need all these things and he doesn't know about it. Yes, he does. And Jesus clarified it. To God, those who are first class live like children of God who live by faith, who trust in him, who you'll see seek the kingdom. They don't live like pagans. So I check myself for once in a while. Make sure you're not living like a pagan, Evan. Verse 3, verse 33. Here are the two verses that the Lord really spoke to me about. Here's the two verses that the Lord has given to me several different times in the fall of 2018, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things that my heavenly Father knows that you need, they'll be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He really doesn't say that there's not going to be anything to be concerned about. He's not going to say, if you do this, you know, I have no problems. Number five in your notes is the question, will God's kingdom be first in my life? Will God's kingdom be first in my life? And specifically, for in 2019. I'm going to say it again. The Bible does not teach, nor does this teach, you know, that you shouldn't have a plan. I hope you have a plan. I hope you have several plans. This doesn't say, hey, just live willy-nilly, however it is, and it'll all work out. No. Because that would contradict a lot of other places in the scriptures to plan and prepare and to work towards. This is living first class to God, though, to basically say, your kingdom comes first. What have I done in 2018 to build the kingdom? Or my personal kingdom? How do I feel about living righteous? Seek first my kingdom. What does the Our Father say? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which should mean in my life. In my life and in my church. What have I done to advance God's kingdom, not my agenda, you know? I, I, I so appreciate some of the stalwarts in the faith 
that even though they began to get old, and as I get old, I have less strength, and I seem to need to rely on the Lord more and more and more. I think about Billy Graham and how much he ministered, how he wanted to finish well. I think about Corey Tenboom, how she wanted to finish well. I'm reading a book on John Wesley. What he did, I read the book and I feel guilty, so I put it down for a couple days. Let's not use our age of being young or older in the middle. You know, this church needs to begin to invest in 20 and 30-somethings. We're going to invest in our kids and that type too, but who are we raising up? Who are we raising up to be the leaders in our church? In your notes, I have this quote. I don't know who it's from. I put unknown there. But worry is a conversation that you have with yourself about things you cannot change. You ever do that at night? You lay awake at night and you're thinking, eh, wait a minute, I shouldn't worry about that. And like three seconds later, you're thinking about it again. He goes on to say, prayer is a conversation you have with God about things that he can change. And as best as I can, myself personally, and for every one of you here today, I'm going to try to remind us over and over again that as many times in one week that you and I can wake up and remember verse 33 of, of, of uh, Matthew 6, Evan, seek first the kingdom today. Tomorrow's got enough for you about it. Seek his kingdom first today and his righteousness. All those other things, be added. it's going to be my goal in 2019 because that's living first class in the eyes of your heavenly Father. Now, if you could, I hope that every one of you got a bookmarker today. Could I please go over these with you? I want to go over these with you. I'm sure you'll have some questions. Anybody from the board can answer them. We'll have a, a, an informational meeting tonight. You can come there and have those or, or any time you want. I want you to take a look at these with me. The first goal that we have there is uh, we've been uh, experimenting with something, uh, simulcasting. And all we mean by that is, is uh, we want to simulcast the message only. We want to simulcast the message from one church to another. And so what do we want to do that for? Number one is for ministry. I never get a chance, very, very seldom, to be at Lifeline before and after, and then Lifehouse never before. We've been talking about it, working towards it. They did an experiment this morning. My daughter Elizabeth is doing some stuff with it. John Hammercheck, several people, you know, working towards doing something like that. You say, well, why are we going to do that? Because it gives an opportunity to do ministry at both churches then. The other thing that we'll do is this service will be a little bit earlier if this is the direction we head, and, and the other service will be a little bit later. They serve, both service will be at the same time. We, we, need two, we need two bands. We need a band at both church. If you, if you can sing, if you can play, if, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything, will you possibly see candy? We're working on that already. We may split that and, and get ready to do that. The other thing about this simulcast thing is sometimes we don't think about it, but it's a safety issue sometimes too. You know, sometimes in the wintertime, you have an entire worship team and the pastor that you love in danger going from one church to another and trying to get there in a certain amount of time. I don't want to tell you about some of the ups and downs where I was coming up the other side. And on the other side, somebody was stopped and I'm like, Lord, have mercy. I hope they move by the time I get there. A simulcast, you know, um, it just gives us an opportunity to do ministry in several different ways. And it'll give us an opportunity to spend time, open up the altar, which sometimes that lifeline does not get much of a chance we're going on six years there the other thing i would say to you is this we're always looking at the possibility of expanding in some way shape or form if this we get this up and this gets going 
it will give us an opportunity to expand and take the message, whether it's me or Pastor Dale or whoever it is, and broadcast it to another place, anywhere in the country, really anywhere in the world. Bonnie Hanzak was sick this morning, so my daughter Elizabeth knew that. She sent her the live feed. She watched the live feed from home. So, simulcast. Number two, restrooms on the main floor. You can see what's there. I really don't want to read all of that, but we've looked into the possibility of... Uh, of uh, restrooms on the first floor. We're pretty much sure that we can do it. There are some complications, no doubt about it. But in all honesty, we have some really good people here with, uh, on the board and Pastor Dale and others that are looking into it. It may be a little bit of a mess for a little bit, but we've been looking into this for two years. And the really great thing about this is you people have been so generous this year that as best we can tell, we're going to be able to do all of this through our savings, not having to raise any more funds. If you want to give, as you can see there, you can always give uh, under the building section of it, but we're going to be able to do this right out of our savings. We have the money right now. We're looking into it. Like I said, you can ask some questions. You're probably better off asking Pastor Dale or Brian O'Donnell, or you can come tonight and ask a question, but it's really going to be something that we hope will help us with new visitors and many of you that are here today. The third goal that I have there is what, it's just simply something I called 2020. In 2019, I hope that you will remember that this is a church that shares the gospel. I hope that you know somebody who doesn't know Christ. I'm praying at both churches to see 20 people come to know Jesus Christ. And when they do, we're going to do something this year that we haven't done before. We always try to do something different. If somebody gets saved, we're going to give them a brand new Bible. On the inside of it, Walt helped me put together some, uh, some guidance and some direction so that when they get a Bible stuck on the inside of it, there'll be some guidance and direction. And, oh, now what do I do? It'll tell you the five principles that we believe here, and I know there's more of them. Number one is the Bible. Number two is prayer, serving, giving, and fellowship. You're right on the inside of that. The other thing I haven't done yet, maybe somebody here can help me do it. I want to have a book that says the Lamb's Book of Life because the Bible says... When you get saved, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I will ask people, if they give their life to Christ, to come. We'll have the Lamb's Book of Life. They'll open it up. They'll sign their name. Their name will be in the Lamb's Book of Life, here on earth anyway, <laughs> and hopefully in heaven for sure, and then date it so we can see who it is and when they gave their life to Christ. The other side of the 20 there is, is the 20 for 20 people sanctified. I asked some people if they knew what that meant, and many several people that didn't. Maybe, uh, probably many of you do, but 20 individual people who come to the place where they say, I'm fully sold out to Jesus Christ. Consecrated, filled with the Spirit, and entirely sanctified, call it whatever you want. And for those people who do that, we'll have a laminated uh, bit of information with passages of Scripture. What exactly does this mean? How is this defined? What do I do? What is expected of me? We want to not just call people to this. We want to make sure that they put something in their hand that will help them. Number four uh, is to put a plan together for areas of improvement. And this simply is, is, you know, as we walk around and look around our facility, we know and understand that uh, this isn't the church. But we want to have as nice a facility as possible for all of us, but first and foremost for anybody you invite. Anybody that you see that wants to come to know who Christ is, somebody you invite to make sure that you know, we got some things on the list and you're welcome to give us feedback on that. Hey, I see this, that, or the other. Uh, the board is open to that. We want you to give us that. And then we want to fully staff all volunteer positions for children's ministry and Awana. We want to make sure that we are fully staffed. Here's the way that we do it here. Number one, 
you serve one entire month. Then you have two months off. If we can have enough people to fill that slot, you serve one month, then you can watch the live stream because the live stream will be up. You can watch it when you get home or whatever, see your favorite pastor. And then, you know, you can do that the entire month if you will help us. How about Wednesday night? How about Awana? It would be so nice if Marcia came up and said, you know, six people came up to me and said, you know, we'll help Wednesday night with Awanas. Oh, we'll, do, we'll help do food. You can do that today. And then lastly, oh, that was last, right? Fully staffed home volunteers, that was the last one. We got some other things in our mind. And of course, as you know, goals are goals, right? You go past some, some you don't come up to. And knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, 27 years I've been doing this, there'll be something else that's not on that list. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord for the board we have. They're open to all of that, and they do uh, things that uh, we have not seen before. So could I ask you this, Candy, if you're ready to come forward on I want to ask you this. Every week I send out an email. And in that email I ask all of you, could you please get to church a little bit early? Could you please get to church a little bit early and come spend some time at the altar? Will you take one of these, put it in your Bible? Would you possibly consider coming here and maybe before you say hi or whatever, I say hi so you're not seen as rude, would you come possibly and pray for our church? Would you come and pray and pray over the goals and pray that this church may life house and lifeline come together in spirit and all of us here today become one because unity is something that is really a blessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a friend and his wife that I, go ahead Candy, I have a friend and his wife that uh, I have been inviting to church for years. He owns a restaurant I invited him when we tried to break the goals. I said, hey, you know, what are you kidding? Watch it. Did you get my invitation? Yeah, he said, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I got it, and I forgot about it. He says, well, I need you, and you're, you, know, you guys are wide open. You said you're going to come visit. And he said, you know, if I could sell my business, I'd come to church. Now, for some people, they say, well, that guy's making the choice. You know, from my perspective, here's somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And I said, listen. If I ask the Lord Jesus Christ, if you'll give him 60 days, I will pray and intercede, and now you're going to pray and intercede with me. That God will sell your business, I have until February 26th for him to sell his business. And he said, Evan, if that happens, I'll give your church a big donation. I said, that would be nice. But I said, the number one resource, the best resource that the church has is people. We would really like to have you there. I'm not going to refuse your donation, but we would really like to see you. We'd really like to see you find Jesus Christ. You find your gifts. You find your spirit and, and, and use your gifts and begin to store up treasures in heaven rather than just here on earth. Father God, as the scriptures so clearly teach what it means to be a person of faith and how you've checked our hearts today, to drive doubt out and to put trust in and to make sure that our focus for 2019 is totally on you. May you do something that will bind us together as a family, that will bind us together as we serve each other. We don't use our gifts to please ourselves, but for here, for every one of us to love and to care for each other. Bind us together in 2019 like we never have been and may we advance your kingdom 
and your righteousness forward, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Roger will give us a couple announcements.